My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. I know something you don't know, and you would probably like to know it because you'd be better off for knowing it. My name is Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host. This is the Rethink the Way You Sell podcast. And today I've got Anthony Iannarino on the show to talk about what being one up means. And Anthony's new book is called Elite Sales Strategies. And I believe it is really the blueprint for what professional selling looks like, particularly in a complex B2B environment. And quite frankly, it doesn't even need to be that complex. You just need to be perceived as the expert. You've heard me say this before. You need to be someone worth talking to with something worth talking about. You're going to hear me say that a lot because it's basically the essence of prospecting and selling. But I don't think anybody has gone so deep into this concept and so has been so articulate about it as Anthony. So really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, and I'll see you on the other side of it. Anthony, really good to be with you. Thanks for for being here this morning, um, you've got a new book out called Elite Sales Strategies. And I know between you and me, that's not what you originally wanted to call it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, but the, the concept that you introduce in this book um, is called uh, One Up, being one up. And that's kind of a confusing uh, point for some people. And I'm going to encourage people to go buy the book because you explain it very thoroughly and very thoughtfully in the book. Um, but what does it mean to prospect? from a one-up position. You know, I've, I've said for a while that, you know, you want to be someone worth talking to and have something worth talking about, but this, your concept takes that much deeper and is, is uh, in a much more thorough manner. So let's, let's start there. What, what's interesting is you were there when I gave the speech at Outbound mm -hmm. uh, and I, I told uh, Jeb and Victor and a number of other people, as soon as I introduced this concept, half of the room might run out. Like they might just go like, what is he talking about? It sounds like manipulation or it sounds like something else. And, and uh, fortunately I had this, the Mount Everest story, which people find in the book to explain mm -hmm. that whenever there are two people talking, one of them is one up and the other one is one down, especially when it comes to something like sales or medicine. Like you go to the doctor, you hope they're one up. Like if they're not one up, you're, you're in deep trouble, right? <laughs> so you, you want to be one up because what it means is I know something that you don't know. And, and that doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you're not an aggressive business person. It doesn't mean that you're not good at your job. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means, um, and, and this is kind of a tough pill for people to accept, but you're mostly ignorant uh, mm -hmm. and, and me too. So each of us doesn't know what we don't know. And because we don't know what we don't know, we need people who are one up to come in and say, let me give you my advice and my recommendations and my counsel. And what we're doing is we're transferring our knowledge and experience to them so that they're no longer one down about the decision that they might make for their business. Now they're looking at it through a lens that's shaped by somebody who's got way more experience selling what they're buying. So if I sell something every day, they buy it once every seven to 10 years their assumptions are all wrong. They're, they're not caught up with the reality, what's changed over that period of time. So you need a one-up salesperson. So how does this pertain to your prospecting? 
there's a couple of things that variables that we don't talk a lot about when it gets to prospecting. And one of them is how confident do you sound? And do I believe that you believe the words that just came out of your mouth? Mm. So like, if you don't believe the words that came out of your mouth and I even hear like one little hedge, it's like, Jeff, I don't know, like maybe possibly, you know, we might be able to like, that doesn't sound like you're really serious about this meeting that you're asking me for. You're hoping I say yes, but you're not commanding that I say yes. And so somebody in a one-up position is going to have very different approach in a very different language because I, I know this and I'm going to tell you what I, I've explained. Your obligation is to be one up for your client. Your, that's your obligation. You have to serve them. You have to teach them. So that has to start with the very first conversation. And the very first conversation has to be, uh, Jeff, I want to share with you these four trends that we think are going to have the biggest impact on your business over the next 12 to 18 months, maybe faster right now because of inflation and a couple other factors. And listen, even if there's not a next step for you or for me or for us together, I'm going to leave you with these insights because you are going to want to challenge your team to start thinking about how you're going to address some of the problems that we're going to have over that period of time. What do you look like Thursday for a 25-minute meeting? I'm going to leave you with the slide deck. If there's no uh, next step, it's totally fine. I'm going to give you the deck and you can start working on it. You'll know how we think about these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to sound like somebody who goes like, I'd like to know what they know. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know what they know. And you started this in this conversation. What are you going to talk about? What value does it create for them? Like, why are you calling if you're not in the one-up position? They don't need somebody to come in and say, my company is 155 years old. We have clients with these logos. We have this product or service. They already know what you do. They already know. That's not value creation for them. So you have to have some sort of a promise that says this person that says yes to this meeting will be better off at the end of this meeting, no matter what happens. And that's the promise that I think you should make. Like no matter what happens, this will be a valuable use of your time because the only objection you ever get in prospecting. Now I know you get like 14 versions of this, right? (laughs) There's, there's a, send me some information, call me next quarter. Uh, We don't have a budget right now, but, Maybe next year we will. And you you get maybe a half a dozen. We're happy with our existing provider. We use you guys in the past. It didn't work out. Like you're going to get an, a variation. All the person is really saying is, uh, I believe this is a waste of my time. But mm-hmm. then instead of saying like, Jeff, listen, you're a nice guy. I, I can tell that. But I think you're a total waste of my time. And I'm not going to spend any time with you because of that. People are too polite to say that. So they say, could you just mail me some information? If you don't sound like you're one up, if you don't sound like what you have is valuable to them and it doesn't come through in your voice, your confidence, then they're going to be skeptical about whether or not they should take that meeting. Look, you know how to prospect. I know you know how to prospect, but something still gets in your way. As a matter of fact, I've identified eight reasons that you and your team are not creating more sales opportunities. I put them together as a white paper to serve as a companion of this season of the Rethink the Way You Sell podcast. Go to jeffbajorek.com forward slash eight reasons to download your copy and the self-assessment that is included in that white paper so you know where you can make maximal impact right away. 
to improve your prospecting results. Now back to the show. How do you uh, approach prospecting from a one-up position without a tone of voice? How do you do that in text? How do you do that in email? How do you do that on social media? Yeah, so you have to communicate that you have something of value in, in every situation. So if you put something on LinkedIn because you want to get attention, it should be a little bit intrigue, not total intrigue. So people can't understand what you're saying. But there should be enough of a charge there that somebody looks at it and goes like, I don't know if I believe that or not. It's interesting that they believe this this strongly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you need to do something like that. If you're going to send an email, you should send an email that says something like, from the one up position, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to try you again tomorrow. Um, and I apologize. I, con- I continue to miss you. I have a perfect record of missing you at work. But what I want to share with you is important enough that it should command 25 minutes of your time. And I promise that you're going to have a different feeling about what we're talking about at the end of that 25 minutes, whether we do anything together or not. I need to keep giving them that same understanding. There's value here. Mm -hmm. And the value is not, I'm going to talk about my company. It's about four trends or six trends or two trends or the one thing that you absolutely must do now, whatever it is. It doesn't matter as long as you convey that there's value for them and that you're confident in the value because they can never be more confident than you are. They can't be. That's the hard part. Like if you don't believe what you're saying, I can't believe it because even you don't believe it. It's, and I love where you're going with this. And the reason I asked that question that way is because I know there are so many people that are like, well, I don't want to call. My customers don't pick up their phone. They don't even check their voicemail, you know? So we can talk about how ridiculous that argument is in a lot of the places, even though in some places it is true. But what you're getting at here is that not only do you have to be one up, you have to know you're one up and you have Correct. to believe that you're one up and embrace it and recognize it for the value that it is. So it comes through in your tone and it comes through with your diligence. You know, you get these emails all the time. You'll get one or two of them from someone. The first one will be something completely company centric or product centric. And the second one will be, did you get my last email? Maybe the third one says, did you get my last two emails or more likely than anything, there's that, no third email. <laughs> that that approach that you just described says exactly why you're one down. Right. You're, you're a beggar. You're a beggar. You're not commanding a meeting because mm-hmm. you actually have information that's going to help that client improve the result. You're begging for an opportunity. Uh, people who are one up don't beg. <laughs> you don't have to beg. Uh, you're going to go and have the conversations that you need to have because you are one up and you're confident And here's what you have to be confident in to to be one up that I can help them. My Mm. insights are going to give them better advice and better recommendations and the counsel that they need to determine how they go forward with their business. And I keep trying to explain that what most people believe is consultative is not very consultative. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I'm really good at questions. Okay, great. So you should be an interrogator for the FBI or CIA or something. I don't know. Like, that's good. You have good questions or they'll say, uh, I don't use any high pressure tactics. Good. Don't use high pressure tactics. That's fine. Like, but it doesn't make it consultative. Consultative means 
I'm going to tell you how to run your business because I know as it pertains to this decision, what you need to do. And once you have experience and you've done something for years, like for, for you, what you do when you go in and you help people, you can see the pattern of why they're not getting the prospecting results very quickly. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. take you very much time. And it's because you've interacted with enough people over a long enough time that you show up and you recognize the problem right out of the gate because you don't even know it. Your subconscious mind knows it immediately. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've seen this before. And then it tells you like, Jeff, slow down. You're going to run right over them because you're going to tell them what the answer is because you've known it now for six years yeah. and you can't stop yourself. And you have to go, let me ask him a couple more questions so we can get to that point, right? Right. But the one up part, because of your experience, you can't stop your subconscious mind from recognizing that pattern. It just shows up. Like, and you're, you're like, seen this one before mm -hmm. lots of times. I know how to fix it. And that's why so many of us rush to a, a, a through discovery to the solution because we already know. Like, I walked in and you tell me, uh, my people don't prospect. We need to train them. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> we need to talk to your managers. <laughs> like, right. you're, you're solving the wrong problem. I know in four seconds, like if they're not prospecting, it's not them, it's right. you. And, and, and every salesperson that's listening to this, whatever industry you're in, you're going to have the same opportunity to have the pattern recognition in your experience. But it's your willingness to say, I know more than my client knows. And I can tell you, sometimes when I say that, people go, I don't know more than they know. Well, then why are you trying to help them? Like, right. if you don't have the advice for them, why are you trying to help them? Well, I know more about this than they do. Right. <laughs> they know way more about their business. They know way more about their industry. They know way more what's possible in their company and how they're going to get it done if they can get it done at all. They know all that. So in that case, you're one down. So mm -hmm. if you're one down, how do you get out of being one down? Let the, let the client educate you. So now you're not one down as it pertains to the conversation as well, because as we started, you're mostly one down. Like if I ask you uh, to describe for me how I can recognize the difference between a complex environment and chaos, you're going to be like, uh, let's go back to prospecting. <laughs> I, can, I can talk about that, but I don't know about that kind of science thing. So we're all one down and we're all one up in some areas. And when you figure out like, if I can keep them from being one down on their decision and they can teach me how best to help them, we're going to do wonderful here together. Well, it's interesting too. You know, I think salespeople need to rethink their dysfunctional relationship with failure. And if you learn something on a sales call that helps you make the next sales call better, it's a win. Maybe you lose the sale. Maybe you fall flat on your face and say something you shouldn't have said. Um, you know never to say that again, and you probably learned something in the process that's going to help you. So keep moving forward, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny, too. We get into this thing about being one up, and I think even new salespeople are one up in ways that they don't realize. So For if sure. you're new and you listen to this right now, think about ways that you know something that your clients, your customers, your prospects don't. And that's a good good start. But the second concept that I want to get to here is you talk about the value of being one down because yeah. there's a give and a take, there's a push and a pull. When you go, and we can go back to Stephen Covey and the seven habits, people cannot be influenced until they first feel they have influence over you. 
that's seek first to understand, then to be understood. Right. And so you have to be one down at some point too. And I've said this for a long time. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room, right? So all these things kind of line up. Talk a little bit, if you would, about how you discovered that balance between being one up and one down and how to use that yin and yang push and pull effectively. Because when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that describes my favorite client relationships. Like they yeah. feel value in teaching me things. I'm certainly getting value yeah. in learning those things and vice versa. Wow. When did you, when did you um, synthesize that? When I was about 25 years old, uh, right after my brain surgery, I started calling on very large companies because uh, I, I was moved into a role where I was a sales manager instead of a sales rep. And uh, I figured out you can't grow very fast with really small deals. It gets hard. You need too many deals. And mm-hmm. I just did the math and I'm like, I need to get like 6,000 clients. Like that's, there's no possible way uh, by looking at what the company's average was. And I started calling on companies that only spent a million dollars or more. Like if they own, if they spend a million dollars or more, I'm targeting them. Why? Because they spend a million dollars. Like that's the only way to get a million dollars is somebody needs to spend a million dollars. So that right. to me was pretty present and easy to understand. And I, I won an account with a division of the limited called structure who made men's clothing. Mm-hmm. that wasn't express. It was like casual, much more casual. Yep. And, uh, I got invited to all their meetings. So all these production meetings for peak season, which is a fourth quarter for retail. And I, I was listening to everything everybody was saying, trying to understand their business. And I'm invited to this meeting every week to pay attention to what their projections are and all of these things. And they keep talking about throughput. They just keep saying the word like, well, the throughput for this one needs to be this. And then they keep, keep talking. Now I get the general idea. It's like a pipe, how much stuff goes through the pipe. Okay, cool. I get that. I understand it. But they were doing math and, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't privy to the math. So leaving this meeting, Dallas Mulder was uh, my contact. Uh, and he was probably my age now, you know, twice my age uh, at, at that time. And I said, Dallas, can I uh, ask you to explain to me what throughput means? I mean, I said, I get what it means, but I don't really get it because you guys are doing math. And he goes, mm-hmm. yeah. He goes, yeah, um, what it is is we take how much material goes through and then we divide it by the cost of your labor. And I'm like, yeah, I knew it was a math equation. He goes, do you want a a copy of the spreadsheet? And I said, yeah, I'd like to see the spreadsheet. (laughs) And he gave me the spreadsheet. And and I I was perfectly comfortable being ignorant. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to this question. And I might be embarrassed for asking. But I'm asking because I don't understand how they're measuring me from week to week. And uh, about... I don't know, two weeks later, I walked into another distribution center and I said, uh, what do you guys throughput numbers look like? And they're like, this dude knows throughput. Like he knows <laughs> throughput already. And they're like, uh, yeah. And they start talking. I have no idea what the rest of the conversation meant, but I made my point. I, I understand how you're trying to measure these things. And people invited me in because I started to know how to talk about their business. Now, I couldn't get that except for being invited to sit in rooms with people. And, and then asking someone to explain what just happened when I didn't understand it. I still do this. <laughs> and uh, it's many, many years since uh, I, I talked to Dallas Mulder, but 
I'm willing to be educated by anyone. And mm-hmm. the reason that I like books so much is because for $25 and six hours, I'm going to get your lifetime of experience for pennies, for pennies on the hours that sure. you, you did something. But if you're a salesperson and you don't know that you're one up and you want to be one up, go to people who are one up and say something like, uh, Jeff, listen, I want to ask you for a favor. I want to listen in while you make calls to get meetings. And I'm going to make notes about this. And I want to ask you to just tell me what were you trying to get done and why did they say that? And why did you say what you did? So I could speed this up. And if you need me to do other notes for you, I'm happy to help you in some way. And and just go ask somebody. And if you can go on calls with them, mm. you, you you're going to get the language and the strategies by watching. And, and I've always had in big meetings, a scribe, one person who's responsible for writing all that stuff down, because when you're engaged with someone, you can't do it. Right. But if you're one down, you can get out of that just by finding the people who are one up and asking them, can, can I listen to you make prospecting calls? And then you'll hear like, they have a different confidence than you do. If you're mm-hmm. one down, they have a, 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 a voice that I'm going to say a voice not just the sound of your voice, but a voice that says, this person knows something that might be valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And and you'll hear it, and then you'll be able to mimic it. The best salespeople I've ever met are mimics. Like they heard it from someone else, and they stole the language, mm-hmm. especially around prospecting. Because that's the part where the language has to be, like it either works or it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. And you, you need good language for it. Yeah. Wow. Um this is awesome. We're, we're up against the clock here, believe it or not, but, um, really appreciate you stopping by and, um, the books out everywhere. It's tremendous. Um, I'm really excited. You know, I've, I've worked my way through the first part of it and I'm going to continue to read it. Um, because I just love the way that you synthesize thoughts. You know, I've joked with you before. I feel like, you know, we share a brain, except you get the way better half of it. (laughs) And, um, you're just, you're so articulate when it comes to that stuff. And I think, that's you're giving people the language to think about the way they think versus just yeah. telling them that. And you just do a brilliant job of that. So um, where can people find more about you? Where would you like them to go? Thesalesblog.com. Uh, that's the best place. Second best place, LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn works great. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Well, what did you think? I don't know anybody more intelligent and articulate than Anthony Iannarino. It's a pleasure to talk to him. I learn something every time. One of the biggest takeaways for me from this conversation was the give and take of being one up and one down because you need to be both in order to have a really effective relationship. And as I thought about this and I spoke with him afterward, I said, you know, every one of my favorite, most fulfilling business relationships and personal relationships for that matter have been where I have something to contribute, but the other people do as well. There's a give and take there. There's a yin and yang. There's a dance. And when I think about these these relationships, rather, I know I belong there, but man, do I feel good? Do I feel fortunate that you are willing to have me there too? Because you belong here too. And it's just this, this, I don't know of a better way to illustrate this collective gratitude and just 
generosity. It's really, really cool. So I want you to think about this concept. I want you to be someone worth talking to with something worth talking about. I want you to be one up. I want you to feel confident and believe in your ability to take the lead in the relationship and help your prospects make decisions that they can't make, certainly can't make as well, without your help. You can learn more about this by buying Anthony's new book. It's called Elite Sales Strategies. Um, seems like everybody I know has bought it already. So if you are not one of those people, go ahead and pick it up because it's worthwhile. And uh, I actually like the audio version as well because I can. it's funny. When I read Anthony, I can hear his voice. Um, it's a lot easier if you just listen to his voice <laughs> reading the book. So check that out. There will be a link in the show notes. And um, hey, look, if this show is impactful for you, will you share it with someone, please? Tell them about it and tell them how much much it's helped you. That is how this show grows. And another way we've, we're trying to grow this show is it's on YouTube. So if you want to watch these interviews, if you want to watch me talking into this microphone, then uh, you can find us there as well. My producer, Doug, is doing a brilliant job managing the channel and making sure that this is not only available in as many places as possible, but with as much engagement and uh, really visual aspect as you can possibly have as well. So until the next time, I hope you're selling well. I hope you are putting yourself in a position to succeed. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson. With music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.